Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to Beer and Money. My name is Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And uh, the laughter is because uh, many of you know I'm a huge Denver Bronco fan, and Mr. Collins is mocking uh, the Miami Dolphins crush. I would, I would never. Yeah. So, <laughs> to be fair, the Broncos' defense is a joke. Um, so, moving on from the Denver Broncos, because I moved on about halftime yesterday. <laughs> it took you that long? You know, I, I'm a, I am a sucker. <laughs> Alex, what are you drinking? <laughs> so I am drinking a Pilsner from Fired Up. Uh, Fired Up is a, a little small brewery over in Colville, Washington. Um, I recently found this with my father-in-law. Um, shout out to him for helping me find this. This is a, like, I'm not a light beer, like a Pilsner drinker. This is a really, really drinkable beer. Um, if you like Pilsners, absolutely go find this. Um, as far as style, I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. As far as like overall, I'm giving it a seven out of 10. Um, most Pilsners, I would give like a three just to give you guys a heads up. This thing, it, it's it's light, it's refreshing, but it actually has a good, nice, crisp taste to it. Awesome. Well, I went the opposite route, I think. Um, it's a rainy day here in Seattle, and so I was really craving kind of a, a darker, kind of heavier beer today. And so while I was at the store, I passed Guinness. I was like, I, Guinness, sounds, can. Yeah, Guinness sounds delicious. And so uh, I'm having a Guinness, and I don't need to taste this live because I think we all know what Guinness, well, for the most part, we know what Guinness tastes like, right? It's a stout. Uh, 10 out of 10, just because I love Guinness and on all fronts. Now I'm extremely biased. There's other beers out there that I'm sure are just as good, but Guinness is just nostalgia for me. Um, so, uh, cheers, Mr. Collins to, to cheers and your Pilsner. Yeah. Um, so what are we talking about today, Alex? So we're talking about three concerns that our listeners, yes, we know you're not about to retire. But you should be addressing now. Yeah. So if, if you, you can if you, retire. If you wait, it's going to be too late. Yep. And the reason we say this is Alex and I have conversations with people that look like us, right? In their mid-40s, have kids. And we also have people that are literally about to retire or in retirement. And these three things that we bring up and these different strategies that we that we help our clients put into place, every one of them goes, I wish I would have known about this when I was younger. Yeah. Like I was just talking to a client the other day and kind of like they were walking through what they wanted to do. And their big thing was being able to like pass money on from, from them to their three boys. Yep. And like, I explained like, okay, cool. So this is roughly how this is going to work. And the issue isn't so much you it's whenever you pass away, because most of their stuff was sitting in qualified retirement plans, the boys would have to pull that out over a 10 year time period and likely at like peak earning times. And so that's going to have a massive negative issue from a taxation standpoint. So we were talking about like ways to go ahead and start accelerating some of those distributions, making sure that we're maximizing tax brackets, figuring out ways to go ahead and shift income over a longer time period so that we're putting them in a better position. And this doesn't always have to like, Alex was just bringing up an, an aspect of shifting of assets to the next generation. 
this doesn't always pertain to that. I, some of our listeners may have heard like heard that and said, well, I may not have enough assets to shift. It's more about, to Alex's point that he just said, the word income. When you turn your income into from your assets, you're making those choices today as to what you're doing, right? And so we're going to talk about three concerns that you should really be addressing, right? And the first one that we're going to get into here, Alex, is health. Yep. And it's a double whammy, right? Um, I'm like... We have to take care of our health today, right? Which is hard to do, Mm -hmm. right? You know, you've got a young kid. I've got two kids, right? We have spouses. We've got this thing called work. We've got all of these things going on. It's difficult. But it's also vital, at least for me, from my standpoint, I've got, I I really am looking forward to that, that moment when, you know, my daughter or my son has their first child, right. And I'm there and getting to that. I mean, that's actually, that's too far in the future. How about walking my daughter down the aisle, right? Like I want to be healthy. I don't want to be in a wheelchair. I want to walk her down the aisle. Well, sending them off to college and being able to be there and like all of the extra things. Like, I, I mean, I'm just thinking about like, we've seen, like in my family alone, we've had hips replaced, knees replaced, eyes replaced, like, and that's all within like the last couple of years. Um, so like I'm trying to make decisions now so that I'm in way better health down the road than, than they are. Cause I'm looking at it going, okay, that's where I'm going to end up. And like, holy crap, am I like, where am I at compared to where they were? Yep. Um, and that that that's concerning. And then to take that a step forward, there are things out of our control when it comes to health. Specifically, when we get to retirement, we want to make sure. Imagine having a health concern where it actually has to, it actually eats away at a bulk of your assets, right? You know, this might be a long term care type of event, type of event, or it might not be a long term care type of event. Maybe it's a healthcare issue for a child or a grandchild. Like there are a bunch of things to consider when we talk about health. The long-term care piece is a piece that we can't take care of today. And it's way, way, way more cost-effective to figure out what our plan is ahead of time. Like I've got a client right now where like they're staring down the barrel of a long-term care expense and there aren't any choices. Like all of the choices are made. We're just now, now it's like, okay, it's all going to come out of assets. How do we protect the assets to deal with this? Yep. And so that's number one, having some sort of forethought of thinking like that, right? I'm going to, I'm going to skip number two here, Alex. Actually, I'm going to make number two longevity because I think that's okay. an easier transition here for us. So longevity, right? We don't know, like planning in general would be so much easier if we knew, Ryan, you're going to die on September 25th, 2053. <laughs> well, that may, like, okay, cool. So that means I can eat whatever I want. I no longer need to well, exercise. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. I, mean, I guess you could affect that still. But yeah, I mean, think about how much easier planning gets because the issue with planning, we're going to talk about a married couple here for just for, for the bulk of today's conversation. It's not just my life. The money has to last. It's my spouse's life. And forget about legacy. This is just lasting our lives. Well, and we'll, we can take it one step further. So many people don't understand longevity. They, they're they like, oh, well, my life expectancy is age 85. Okay. 
Would, so do we understand what that means? That means that 50% of the people that are your age in your health are going to live past 85. So most of the time when we plan for longevity, we're planning out to like 80 to 90%, not 50% because it's way easier to plan to live longer and die earlier. I, don't think, I think we should be fired if we're if we're actually planning for our clients. Like, hey, what's your fifty fifty age? Like fifty percent you're alive and fifty percent you're not going to be here. Like, can you imagine? Like, we should be sued if that ever occurred. Right, and at the same time, like that's what I'm talking about with people not understanding what longevity and what life expectancy actually means. Uh, and it, it's just one of those things where it's like. Yeah, if if we plan for you to live longer and you don't, that's an easy fix. If we plan for you to live shorter and you live longer, that's an issue big time. Like how okay are you going to be living in a box under the freeway eating ramen if you're lucky? Like no, nobody wants that. And like so many people don't understand that. And there's this like our our society has done no favors to folks that are at or close to retirement where they've you know created this Cinderella story of bouncing your last check. Like I've had a dozen clients tell me that that's what they want to do. And when real, like when they get anywhere close to the reality of that, they start freaking out that they're losing money and they're worried that they're going to run out of money. And so like this concept of bouncing your last check scares the crap out of them. Like once they're actually in retirement. Yeah. So Alice, let's talk about what do we do about that today, right? So we're talking about people in retirement. Look, the fact matters is tying this back to the health piece as well. We want, like most people, when they get to retirement, they don't want to live in a home. They don't, right? They want some semblance of a life that they, they currently have. And so we're making decisions today, right? We talked about long-term care, you know, insurance or hybrids or, or what have you. We could do something of. What about life insurance? Yeah, and this is a taboo topic to talk about, which is weird to me. If you really, if you, if we really get back to like just being a human on this planet, most people say when they get to retirement, they won't need life insurance, and they're correct. They don't need it. Life insurance is a want product. It's something where the if the existence of it improves your life, you well, they also that? mean they don't want it though. I, which that's an entirely different conversation. And the reason I'm saying this is weird is the reason people say it, let's just call it what it is. If we could get life insurance for free, none of us would say no. I take 100%. that back. There's always someone that's going to say no. Most of us won't say no to that that point. So it's not that, that we don't want it. It's that we don't want to pay for it because we think it might affect how we currently live. We could do something else with that money that's more fun. Right. And like, that's how every financial organization has taught it. That's like, there's so much built into the underlying assumptions there. And in reality, most of the time, the existence of having some form of permanent insurance allows us to do other things with the rest of our money. And it allows us to be more efficient and effective with how we're creating income, how we're distributing income. What, and that kind of brings us to, to the third thing. Which well, real is- quick before you go to the third thing, because I, I just want to give a quick example for the life insurance piece. 
How many of you, and I know you, most of you are driving right now, so I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, or how many of you are th- have, been, have not thought of the fact that when you and your wife are, are older and retired or you know, whatever retirement life looks like, and you've turned on Social Security, so you both are getting Social Security, some, some version of it, right? Like in, in my case, I'd get the full amount. My wife would get half of mine because that would be the higher amount uh, for her. But if I die or when I die, not if I die, when I die, my wife will lose her portion of Social Security and only gain mine. So if I'm making 50000 in Social Security and she's getting twenty five, she's going to keep getting my fifty, but she just took a $25,000 pay cut guaranteed in the Social Security aspect. Even though her Social Security went from twenty five up to fifty. It was still a loss in the family, the household checkbook of $25,000. And her tax bracket just changed. Well, maybe not changed. Maybe it did. Her filing definitely changed, which could affect her tax bracket. So just knowing that small piece, and you started talking about leveraging assets, like forget that just for a second, just for simplicity's sake. She just lost $25,000 a year. Wouldn't it be nice that there was also a life insurance policy attached to me that essentially gave her money, to maybe enough money where she could get twenty five thousand a year to make up that money that she was getting. Yeah. Have you thought of that today? And I would be—I'd take a wild guess. Most people haven't. Yeah. So sorry, I just want to throw that out there. That's like a simplistic example that when I bring it up, most people are like, "I never even thought of that." And why would you? This is—you're not in that age. You're not in that mindset yet. Well, it's also something where like, it's not <laughs> exactly healthy to think about dying. Like most people that think about dying on a regular basis, like most of the time we're, we're like, okay, Hey, let's, let's go get you checked out. Cause that's not a normal thought process. And so like, we have to intentionally sit down and think these things through of like, okay, what happens if, and our mind creates this cognitive dissonance concept where like, we don't want to think about it. It's not normally a normal healthy thing to think about it and so we have to like intentionally sit down to walk through the process because if we don't intentionally make choices the choices are being made for us and nine times out of ten probably 99 times out of a hundred the choices that are being made for us aren't the ones that we would in- choose if we were making them with intentionality 100 percent so, so sorry, I interrupted you. Now that takes us to our, our third one here. Right. And the third one is taxation. So the location or where you put your money is going to have a massive impact on what the taxation is upon distribution. It's that client that we were talking about earlier who all of their dollars are inside of qualified retirement plans because that was the place that they were told to put money. And it was great during the accumulation phase but it's terrible during the distribution phase. Every time we say this, it makes me laugh because like we, I think you and I probably both say this or some version of this. Would you want all of your eggs in one basket? No. No one ever says yes to that, that question. Yet that's literally what a lot of people are telling us to do. From a taxation standpoint. Just <laughs> – Sure. I mean, that that's what they're leveraging. You're right, is, is a taxation standpoint. There, there's other pieces there too. But it just, it blows my mind every time you and I talk about this. And I, and what's stupid about it is 
early in my career, I thought that exact same way because that's all I knew. I didn't think about, okay, when I get to retirement, like this has been great pre-retirement, but man, when I go to pull all of that money out, I don't have any control of my taxes because every dollar I pull out is taxed at ordinary income rate. So the only way to affect it is to take less money, which most likely means less lifestyle. I don't want retirement. No, thank you. Right. Yeah. No, thank you. I mean, and so much of it is just trying to understand like, okay, when and how and why do we put money into the various different types and structures of taxation? Um, Most people don't even think about it from a standpoint of like diversification of taxation structures. They think about it as like, oh, diversification, that is an asset allocation. That is a, do I have my dollars in stocks or bonds? But we need to think about it from a taxation standpoint as well. What is going to be the the taxation of this? Um, and then we also need to ask ourselves the question of whether we do taxation, like what what's going to happen with taxes in the future? Are they going to go up? Are they going to go down? Or are they going to stay the same? And that's going to color the view of how we should structure things depending upon what our thought process is around that. Uh, and just so we're clear, they're like it's not knowable information. We, we we might think we have a good idea as to where things are headed, but we don't know. Like the future is uncertain. And what here's what's interesting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up something here, Alex. And I'm, I know I'm doing this ad hoc, so I'm surprising you with this. Um, <laughs> so you should see my screen uh, if you're on you if you're not on YouTube or following us on YouTube. Check out the YouTube page because we're we're definitely doing more visuals. What's really interesting about our tax bracket system and the common statement of, I will be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. Hey, Ryan, right now you've got a menu that's up that's blocking part of your screen. I see loop, show all controls, and a couple other things. I don't know what that is. So uh, I'm going to stop sharing. Um, We're going to go, we're going to talk about the tax code real briefly here though. Today's tax code, if you're married... What's interesting is, is the marginal tax bracket on a $250,000 income puts you at a marginal tax bracket of 24%. Try, try resharing now. So give me one second as I reshare. And for those of you who are listening, I apologize that you're, you're experiencing this live um, as I reshare my screen. Well, I think it's my fault. I think there was something up oh. on my screen. So here's what's interesting. Again, if you're making $250,000, it puts you in the 24% tax marginal tax bracket. The highest amount of money you'll pay in some of your money. How much taxes you'll pay in some of your money. That tax bracket is 190,000 to 364. So if you think you're going to be in a, a lower tax bracket, you need to be at lower than 19751. Do you want to plan your retirement cash flow based on a tax bracket. Like, wait, Alex, Alex, um, I'm at the two, I'm making 250 right now. Um, 30 years from now, um, can we make sure that I only need 190? Uh, Ryan, I have no idea what tax brackets are going to be in 30 years, let alone how much you're going to possibly need. Like, but none of alone, that should be is done. That what you, is that what you want to plan on? No. Is that what you want to plan is like, okay, let's, let's make sure that I'm going to be on the verge of a different tax bracket. Like that's, it's ludicrous to even consider. Well, it's also something where it's like, you're talking about a 25% roughly 
reduction in income. Like, sure, not paying for your house, not saving for retirement, not having your kids at home, that might work out. Well, that's that's all the stereotypes that people say is going to occur. But let's just talk about real life. A lot of retirees don't actually get to retirement without a mortgage. How many retirees have a child move back home with them? Well, and Ryan, what's the most expensive day of the week for you right now? Well, right now it's Saturday, but when I'm retired, it's probably every day, yeah, especially that, early on. Right. Because now you have the freedom to be able to live like it's Saturday every day. So, I mean, what Alice was talking into is the the stereotype is I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. And maybe that's the case. But are you wanting to plan on that's the case? And put 100% of your eggs in that basket. No one ever says yes to that statement. It's just a different, it's a different vantage point that most people don't think about because that's what they read about. Everyone says you'll be in a lower tax bracket. And they don't understand that, oh, if you have different buckets of money that are taxed differently, you can actually control what tax bracket you'll be in because you have more levers to pull. Well, and like here becomes the like one of the brilliant things that can occur with this. Like, okay, might we have a year where one of your kids gets married and so you need you have bigger than normal expenditures or you want to take a big trip or you have big medical bills or you have whatever might you want to pull from a non-taxable source where you you don't go up in your tax bracket because you had this one time amazing thing happen that you wanted to do yeah so here's what's funny let's just say you're you're like smack on the edge of the next tax bracket. You get to retirement and the one year, like your kid decides that they're getting married and you're going to fund it all. And I'm making up numbers here. Like the kid's wedding, I mean, shoot, 30 years from now, it's $100,000, who knows, right? $100,000 wedding, that bumps you into the next bracket where you're now paying, and I'm making up numbers here because again, I don't know what tax bracket it's going to be. Maybe you jump from 24 to 32. You're going to pay 32% on the extra money, depending on the tax brackets at that point. Well, and I, th- I think that, that what you just said is really important. It's just the extra money. Like most people don't understand how tax brackets work. Yeah. So like, let's understand how tax brackets work. And we, like when we're talking about planning techniques, we're almost always talking about planning at the margin of like, hey, we've got an extra dollar's worth of income. What rate is that taxed at? Yeah, and we've recorded a podcast on that. On that, so make sure you head over to beerandmoney.net and type in the search bar "marginal versus effective rate," and that will pull up where we spoke about tax brackets and what <laughs> what is a marginal rate versus an effective rate. So, and why is it important? <laughs> so let's let's kind of bring it all together here because I, you should have been the one to text me. By the way. Um, the joke was, by the way, <laughs> Alex is normally the long-winded person, so I was going to have to text him like, hey, we need to make sure we keep this short and concise. And I was going to have to text him, and it actually ended up being the other way around. Um, the, these three concerns, right? A, a real quick review. The three concerns that you should be considering now, even though you're 45. Or 35. Is health today and how are you planning to take care of that in the future? Longevity, 
we talked into life insurance specifically around that piece. There's other pieces to, to consider there, but that was an example. And then the third one was taxation, where you're putting your money today. Too many people think about how I'm taxed today. They're not considering how are they taxed when they pull the money out. And with that, you have, like if you're 45, you've got somewhere in the neighborhood of a 10 to 20 year ramp to go ahead and fix things and make sure that you're adjusting things so that you're not making massive changes. If you wait until you're 65, you only have a short window, if any at all, to go ahead and adjust where dollars are going. The longer the time horizon is, the longer before you need that money, the more ability you can change it in small incremental steps and have it make a big difference down the road and the more choice and flexibility you have in how you go about adjusting it. Yeah, make sure. So we should put that caveat in the, in the beginning of this episode, but make sure when you're working with your financial professional, make sure you're working with the CPA as well, the tax professional. Those two, should they should be talking to one another. And they need to be in lockstep. They need to work on one plan together. You can't have your CPA recommending one thing and your advisor recommending another. If that's the case, you absolutely have to get them in the same room and like figure out like, okay, which one is better and why? Let's take a look at what the assumptions are. And maybe it's a hybrid between the two of them, but you got to get those two professionals working for you on the same page. 100%. Which takes us, Mr. Collins, to the question of the day. Our question today is how have you addressed these three concerns for retirement planning now? So make sure you head over to beerandmoney.net. At the top of the page, is either a con- there's a contact us if you want to answer that question or if this dr- drummed up any questions that you have for us, it's a great way to reach out to us. Look, we started this, this podcast to hopefully have you think about money and think about money differently specifically for your situation. Hopefully you're enjoying a beer, not driving, but enjoying a beer <laughs> at home uh, and, and getting some takeaways from this. If you did, share it with people, right? The whole reason we have this is to, to spread this information to help you live the life that you want. So we hope this episode is valuable for you. And as always, Mr. Collins, make it a great day. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a financial representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. 
OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, CA Insurance License, number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2023-163391. Expiration October 2025.